Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, it's Jillian. What's up? It's Kurt. What's going on, everybody? It's Jermaine, and we are your in-arena hosts for the Indiana Pacers. And this is the Believe in Pacers podcast. Brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. All right, so welcome back, guys. Kurt and Jillian here. So we have a lot going on. Um, We just got off of the road. The Pacers did. Unfortunately, they lost two out of the three games. But, hey, good news. It is uh, Tuesday the 16th today. We're going into St. Patrick's Day tomorrow. We're going to have a great time at the game. We're going to be playing the Brooklyn Nets. Jillian's going to be there, and as well as our special guest that we have on the show today, he's going to be there too. So, Jillian, you want to kind of explain that? Absolutely. We're so excited for this episode because for our Pacers fans, you guys know Sean Sullivan as the public address announcer for the Pacers. He's officially the voice of the team now, and we cannot wait to learn more about your journey leading up to this role, Sean. But some background really quickly first on Sean's professional life, because as always, I am just so impressed with everything that I've learned about you. He ran cross country and track and field at the University of Illinois, Chicago, then went on to work with his alma mater as the assistant athletic director, stayed in Chicago area, later became the director of sales and marketing at Northwestern University. And then he came over to Indiana to work at Ball State University, eventually working up to becoming the associate athletic director of marketing and fan engagement. And I'm not even done there, guys. On top of that, he's an adjunct professor at Roosevelt University. He's the founder of The Voice of Good. We can't wait to ask you about that one. And he's a husband and father of four kids. So, Sean, I don't even know how you found time for this interview, but we appreciate it so much. Well, (laughs) glad to be here. This is uh, quite a trio. So, um, can't wait to get into a little discussion with you. Absolutely. And while I'm on the topic of your background, Sean... I have to mention something first, and I think you know what it's going to be, because it was such a wonderful surprise when I found this out. You are a Bishop McNamara High School grad, and so am I. I cannot believe that. Go Irish. Fellow alumni, small world, you know, Kankakee to Indianapolis, who would have thought? I think I'm much older than you, so I'm not going to mention your year, but um, no. I think I could be You're absolutely you. not. I don't know when you graduated. I know we missed each other. I graduated in 06, so... To spare people the math, I'm 33. I always like put it out there, but, <laughs> but um, I just love it because for those who don't know, Kankakee um, and Bourbonnais, which is the town right next to Kankakee where I grew up, Bishop McNamara High School is like in this tiny town south of Chicago. So what are the odds that we both ended up working for the Pacers? Small, I would imagine. Um, but I, yeah, I got you beat by about 10 years, Jillian. So um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, when I saw, I think a mutual friend of ours, Kyle yes. Decker, kind of put the Love put the Kyle. pieces together and ironically Kyle went to daycare with my little sister if that is any idea of how old I am but oh my gosh that's funny. amazing what a small world yeah when he told me that I was like wait somebody went to Bishop McNamara is working for the Pacers with me this is amazing <laughs> so I'm just I just love that that is so so cool so anyway had to talk about that but With all these accomplishments, we have a lot to talk about. So, Kurt, I'll let you take it on over from here. All right. So, first things first, you are the new voice of the Indiana Pacers as the PA announcer. Um, You're going into pretty much the second half of your first official full season with the Indiana Pacers. I know you've filled in from time to time. How does it feel? How's it going? Well, I feel extremely fortunate to have the opportunity to do it. First off, I'm really glad that Dean and, um, you know, the NBA's best game ops staff invited me on to, to, to be part of the team. So 
grateful for that. But it has been a lot of fun. It is strange, you know, when you go through this kind of pandemic first half of the year with no fans in the building. We get to a game when there's a snowstorm and there might be 11 people in the building. And now we're kind of trickling fans back. And, and that's where I think all of us, I'm sure you both agree, is uh, that's when it gets really fun. When you start seeing more people in the building and, and you grab some of that energy and it kind of comes out in your voice. So I think as we um, continue to include more fans in the building, uh, it's only going to get better. But I've, I've had a blast. It's been a great time to to join the team and uh you know with a new coach and you know the building renovations it's just a great time to be a part of the Pacers uh family but also to be a Pacers fan I think you would mention kind of the the road trip but I can't wait to introduce Karis Levert tomorrow right well I was going to get into that and the pronunciations of all the names and everything but I know like I said you kind of filled in a little bit throughout the years you did the Indiana Fever you've done a lot in Bankers Life Fieldhouse how did you just maybe explain to the listeners how you got into the role that you're into today Sure. Well, it's just some good old-fashioned networking. I think three or four years ago, uh, through my uh, my primary um, hustle, if you will, at, at Ball State, you know, part of my gig is to book halftime acts. And so, in my communication with Jamie Russell down at uh, Banker's Life um, and Pacer Sports Entertainment, you know, you were booking the Dunk Crew, and so we kind of traded emails. And I just let her know, hey, when I lived in Chicago, I was I actually had your role for the Chicago sky. I did on court MC work for the sky and filled in on PA. And so I said, Hey, if you ever need anybody, you know, just as a backup, I'm I'm in town, I'm happy to help. And, you know, sure enough, three or four months later, the season was beginning. There was an exhibition game, I think over at Indiana farmers Coliseum. And they said, Hey, would you come and do a half? We kind of want to see how you do. And I said, yeah, absolutely. That'd be a lot of fun. So I came down and did a half and I don't know, it's like a week or so later, they were like, Hey, can you do the whole season? (laughs) I was like, absolutely. Let's do it. And that's kind of where, where it started with, uh, with the fever. And I've, I think I've done that four, four years, I think. Okay. And I just love, uh, I love that opportunity. You know, it's had a great time of year for me where we're not in the college athletic season. So uh, it keeps me involved on the, on our off season, if you will. And of course uh, the competition is tremendous. The people are great and yeah, good, good way to fill some summer, uh, some summertime. Do you feel like you have big shoes to fill? I know Tim Sinclair was there, Michael Grady, and then, you know, Red Porter was there for years and years and years, coined a lot of different phrases like the Tua and things like that. Do you feel like coming in that you had pressure on you for the Indiana Pacers? I don't know if it's pressure. I think you just want to do a good job for the folks who include you and then for those who've come before you and all of those individuals you just mentioned. You know, when I moved to Indianapolis, um, you know, started to learn about the the key individuals in our in our profession, and, and those names certainly popped up. And listened to Grady on the radio. Um, you know, knew of Tim from his work in Chicago previously and down at Illinois. So yeah, for sure, you just want to you just want to be able to do do well enough that you are carrying on a tradition that has been set before you. And all of those individuals certainly set the bar high. And I, I just want to be a professional and and try to keep on that tradition. So. Um, and that's not easy, but I think what you have in place is an unbelievable arena. You think about the acoustics and the technology and everything that's put into the behind the scenes uh, hardware is one thing. And then this isn't just Brown and the people at, pay, at the Pacers. I mean, they're an award-winning front office. So they put you in a position to succeed on, on that front. Are you creating your own, you know, your own path? As I mentioned, like Reb Porter kind of coined the phrase, the Tua. Is that something that you feel like that you have to continue on for the fans? Are you doing different things? Are you trying to do your own, put your own spin on it? 
I just want to be myself. Um, you know, the, the, I think the two-op piece, uh, what I've tried to do is kind of in the second quarter from time to time, you know, try to get in a, you know, this is the, this is the start of quarter number two, quarter number two-op. And so it's not exactly how he did it. I don't think I would want to do and replicate that because mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to do it. But can I take that tradition that, um, that he set forth and then just kind of move it into a different part of the game so it's, it still just kind of becomes a part of the experience. So when fans who've been around for, for many years who remember that, they can kind of harken back to maybe one of those first experiences that they had. I like that. Yeah, speaking of putting your own spin on things and making it your own, the other thing Kurt and I were talking about as we were you know, talking about how awesome it was that you have this job is all your experience with other teams too. You know, Not only the fever, but just looking at your background too, Indy 11, Butler University, even Chicago Bears. How do you get in that mode where you switch from sport to sport and different arenas and kind of adjust your voice? What does that take? I think it's just collecting perspectives. And, you know, every time you get into a new venue or in a new situation or environment, you just want to put your your best foot forward. And really what puts you in the best spot is just preparing. So whatever event or venue or, or game it's you got to know the individuals who are in, in play you ask for that script well in advance so you can go through it um, and so nothing is a surprise or if there are some surprises hopefully you're better prepared to to take that left turn that maybe you weren't expecting so um, I, you know going back my first ever PA gig was in college I think I did like a college soccer game anytime somebody said hey can you do this I just said yes and so mm-hmm whether, I mean, I think it was gymnastics and baseball and softball, you know, colleges, you know, college games in front of 10 people, it didn't matter. You know, you just wanted to kind of get the reps in so you could, um, you know, whether it's not only have a demo, but at least you just go through it and have the experience. So I don't know if there's much difference, you know, changing from sport to sport other than just having a good knowledge base of of what you think is about to happen and who are all the characters that you're going to introduce throughout the day. Do you do a lot of research? I know the NBA, there's a lot of tricky names. Like, how do you get the pronunciation down for those? Just like you said, just kind of going through and just talking it through at home or like in your car when you're driving there or what do you, what's the routine? There are some awkward moments by myself in the minivan for sure. But um, (laughs) no, you know, I go through every game and uh, every roster and type out a a score sheet myself. And um, I don't rely on what's printed in the game notes. Um, I do it myself on the computer and bring it with me. I, I feel that if I type everything in myself, put in the name, put in the number, put in the height, whatever it might be, then I'm more comfortable with it when I get to game day. And gotcha. the pronunciation piece, the NBA crews have a, do it well, right? I mean, not, not only are we hearing it on SportsCenter and on radio from time to time of who the key players are, but in the game notes, um, you can you go to this website that the NBA media PR folks put up and every team has their game notes. And so they're going to have their rosters and all the, the key information, but they also have pronunciations that accompany those rosters. And so I just copy and paste them, say them a few times. And like you said, on the way to the arena, I am, uh, you know, I'm dropping in a, a Giannis Adetokounmpo a few times on the way to the, uh, the way to the gym. <laughs> yeah, I can relate. Sure. I'm sure yeah. Chilean can off too. the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's so true because your job is another one of those jobs. And we were just talking about this with Shauna Nichols, 
where you make it look easy, but it is not. And Mm -hmm. I know that for a fact. So how do you do that, Sean? How is it the repetition and practicing the names beforehand? How do you make yourself feel confident when you're going out there? Probably just experience. I think for five or six years, I did arena football in Chicago at Allstate Arena. And um, if you've ever been to an old arena football game, we, you know, we had the Indiana Firebirds at, at old Conseco Fieldhouse for, for several years. And in Chicago, the arena football experience is like none other than I've done. You talk about being on a headset with a lot of people. You, you guys have the, the voice in the ear of, of Dean and whoever else might be on the, on the show. But in the arena football world, there were it just seemed like there were seven or eight people, you know, and once you kind of get into the, the comfort level of hearing all those voices while you're speaking, then it becomes a lot easier, you know, it just kind of becomes background noise and you can focus in on what you need to say at what time you need to say it. So I think it's just experience and, and preparation are the, are the key things, flexibility. And I think you just can't, you know, you have to understand that number one, there's, you can't have an ego. You're not the show. And so if somebody says, hey, that's not right, you just say, no problem, my fault, let's move on. Or, hey, don't read that now. Or, hey, can you stop that reader? Whatever it might be, you just have to understand that you're just a, a very small piece of what's going on at this event. So, um, so I think it's just experience, it's practice, and I think malleability in the moment. Is Dean guiding you through the game the majority of the time? Or do you kind of have free range on, you know, if somebody dunks it, you're just allowed to talk at that point? Or how does that work? Yeah, I think in 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 game, it's pretty much on on me to, and I've been empowered to kind of create some individuality in those moments. So, which I which I appreciate. I think I I told I told them and, and anybody. I mean, I'm up for any sort of suggestion and any constructive criticism. So I'm always willing to do that. So Dean will from time to time will just say, Hey, what, what you know, try this? No problem. Yeah, let's try it. Um, but in the game itself, very rarely do I hear much other, you know, just be yourself. And I think, you know, in my day job, I basically do Dean's job at Ball State, which you know, because we've been lucky enough to have you serve as MC up at Ball State on a number of occasions. So, so I think it's, it's probably helpful to him and myself to have been in his chair for dozens of games, um, football, basketball, and otherwise. That just keeps, a, I think, a really nice teamwork atmosphere. Right. Yeah, kind of know what his expectations are and all that. How about like going forward? I mean, I've always thought of this, you know, if I was ever in that role or just doing what we do, and it's like, I know the game, I feel like I know the game, but do I know it well enough to know when this person got fouled or know this statistic? Like, are there people that are feeding you those stats or is that something, again, that comes into play when you're prepping for the game? How does that work? And, you know, the fouls, I know that the refs are over there signaling who did what, but is that, do you have to go and look at a rule book and before, you know, you even got the position or how to, you know, kind of explain that? Funny you should ask, you know, right right (laughs) behind me, we've got one of the best table crews in, in America. Um, look at his right okay. on the end right there. At Banker's Life Fieldhouse. Is that um, the official Elliot's, rule book? Yeah, this is this is a printout of the official rules book. So Elliot Siegel, I don't know if you know Elliot, but uh, part of the table crew and the stats crew, maybe my first or second game, he just walked up to me and said, here, I printed this out for you. I mean, he printed out 70, you know, whatever, how many pages and said, hey, you might want to, you might need this. Some light and reading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's just a reflection of like the people who work at, at Pacer Sports Entertainment. But yeah, you got to know the rules. I think for me, that, that's probably, you talk about, was I nervous? First up, first few games, I was definitely anxious about some of those rules, you know. Um, like there's an away from the ball foul on inbounds plays that I had, I mean, I had no idea. There was one of those in one right. of the first 
games we did. And they called something. All of a sudden, somebody's at the free throw line shooting a technical. And I'm like, what the hell happened? <laughs> um, so, yeah, thankfully, people are, uh, are, are good about educating me on some of those. But, yeah, you got to know. If you don't know, then that's, I think that's just a, a sign of poor preparation. So I think I've learned most of them, you know, whether it's defensive three seconds, you know, stuff like that that is, you know, maybe unique to the NBA game. But, um, yeah, it's just, just preparation. And the stats, I, I'm not – I'm not really keeping much of that. If I'm asked to chime in on, on those things, it, you know, there's a monitor right there okay. um, or I'm being fed those things. Um, but there's some, I think one of the nice things being in Dean's shoes is to, you can build that rapport. Then if there are things that you need to insert, instead of kind of having to script it out all the time, hopefully you get to that point where it's, Hey, Sean, can you just mention this? And there's a trust factor that you can just kind of ad lib it and go versus having to, you know, maybe write out three lines or, and that probably saves everybody a little, a little hassle. So. All of these elements, you know, the, the spontaneous elements or, or even just like the printed out document. Is there anything that surprised you about this role specifically with the Pacers? I think, uh, you know, again, filled in um, last year. And I think it's just the, the pace of the NBA full experience, which we haven't seen this year. So going back to last year, filling for Tim, I think that was probably the biggest surprise was just running the, you know, really, I think arguably the best basketball arena in the world. And you've got, so the fans are just right on top of you everywhere. And then you get the headset on and there's seven people talking and there's no, the idea is that there's no dead time, right? It's you come in the building, you guys are talking or there's, you know, the DJs are playing or there's a cool video on the board or we're introducing the players and then there's game action. Right. And so I think that is, that's hard to get used to is the always on, you know, the very rare time that you can just kind of, I don't have anything to say. So, um, and so this year we've been slowly building, I think back into that, that full fury of a, of what a Pacers game day is typically. So I think that's, that was probably the biggest surprise that those first games last year was just the, the volume of things to say and when. Even just finding the right rhythm and cadence with with that, that made me um, think of the art that it takes. Because when you were talking about, I think you made the comment something along the lines of like, we know what the main event is and we know it's the guys on the court. And Kurt and I know that too. But how do you find that right balance of knowing, you know, when to speak up and add in that personality and and keep the energy going in the building? I think it's just probably feel and and instinct of of watching hundreds of basketball games over the years. And I think you get, you also probably are influenced by those that have done that role that you've been around. So for me, this probably won't make Indiana fans all that happy, but growing up in the Chicago area, you know, really fortunate to, to go to Bulls games and listen to somebody like Ray Clay, um, go to White Sox and Blackhawks games, listen to Gene Honda, you know, some of these, I think, you know, for, for Chicago folks, those are kind of iconic voices. Yeah. Um, and you just kind of, those, those voices are kind of implanted in you as you, as you grow up. So uh, I think it's just those, those guys always, to me, they had awesome voices and they never went or made themselves the show, but they just added like something that when you went to a game, you looked forward to that part of it. And mm-hmm. I think you, mm-hmm. that's what you try to do is, can you just add a little flavor here, a little oregano over here? 
that you know <laughs> folks folks might recall or say that, that was fun like that was that was nice and I, I hope that i get to go back and see it again that's such a good way to describe that it is. i love that you mentioned that you know bankers life Fieldhouse hasn't been to the full potential yet just due to covid I know, maybe explain to the listeners a little bit, you know, we're not allowed to cross a certain point, a stanchion. We have a green credential on. We have to stay away from you guys with the red credentials. Um, do you get tested, you know, the day of, the day before? How does all that work? Because I know that you are pretty close to the players. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word because it's not a consistent and frequent, I think is probably how I would phrase it. So, um, yeah, we're, we're testing twice before every, every game. And, you know, once is one of those tests has to happen two or three days before the game. And then one has to happen the day before. So, and you got to have the, the, the negative test in order to come to work. It, to me, because we've kind of gone through it a little bit up at Ball State with all of the home events that, that we've had over the, you know, since I guess September when we started doing things again, um, it's just beca- I think it's just part of <laughs> it's almost routine now. Like brushing, it's like brushing your teeth now. That's so um, true. I think I think I've been tested eight straight days because of the big. I did the Big Ten Women's Tournament, so oh, that's right. Back, well, it's been seven. It's been seven straight days that I've done a test. So wow. Part of the day. Yeah. Speaking of the tournament, mm-hmm. we also wanted to ask you about March Madness and all the extra games you're getting into. What's that been like? Well, again, grateful that, you know, the Pacers crew um, recommended me to the Big Ten to do those games. And that was a blast. Um, I, you know, having spent some time in the Big Ten, it's always fun to see some former friends and colleagues come through the building, even though it was kind of in a unique environment. And now we've got the big dance coming. And um, so this is where kind of the roles collide. So tomorrow, you know, for half the day, um, you know, I'll go down to Banker's Life and and be a Ball State person uh, serving as the host institution at all the games at Bankers Life and then kind of swap shirts and get ready for the Pacers-Nets game tomorrow night to do PA. So um, I think I mean, we're going to have three, six, nine, twelve, sixteen games over a nine, ten-day stretch coming up and they're going to be some of the best basketball games you'll ever see. And they're all going to be right here in Indiana. And, you know, we just feel at Ball State, we feel extremely fortunate to be one of the host institutions. And I think we just hit the lottery getting Bankers Life as the, as the host institution or the venue, I should say, uh, to collaborate on because, you know, they know how to do events. And obviously there are some nice relationships already in place where it makes it pretty, pretty seamless to get things done. So what does that mean that you're the host institution? I know Ball State is the host at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, but what what role do you guys play then? So the NCA will, I mean, it's, it's such a unique year. I mean, I think Jan, the first week of January, you know, the NCA made the determination to move the entire tournament here to Indiana and most of it to Indianapolis. And so that next week they announced that we would, you know, well, invited us to be the host. We certainly accepted quickly because it's such a cool opportunity. And so we, we basically get tasked to assign a handful of people to play key roles. So for me, it's tournament manager. We've got a media director. Uh, we've got an assistant tournament manager. We've got a practice coordinator. We do all of the athletic training and medical reservations. We have doctors on site, the ortho folks, the general physicians, um, the table crew. Um, and we work pretty closely with the Pacers to, to staff those folks. Um, and then we work with the NCAA to manage the event. So, you know, whether that's printing timing sheets for the locker rooms, filling water bottles, uh, 
changing out coolers for the for the for the benches you name it i mean we're doing it in in conjunction with the bankers life staff and it's just been a it's been a, a heavy lift because of the uniqueness and the timelines kind of all being smashed up so um yeah that's our role i mean we're gonna we're gonna conduct you know the games that we have on our schedule and we'll do it to the best of our ability and hopefully april 5th there'll be a champion crowned across the street or across town at lucas oil stadium and we can all look back on this historic moment and um you know pat pat some people on the back because it's a it's a really big undertaking. You mentioned all the roles that you play, all the different jobs that you have. You have four kids, you have a wife. How is the the balance of life? Like, how do you balance everything? <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think that's part of it is that, you know, I'm my wife is awesome. So that's that's number one. But, you know, we we've never viewed it in that in that lens of balance. We've just embraced it as a lifestyle. Um, she works in athletics at Butler. So she's an associate AD at Butler university. So, um, when you match those schedules up with all the events at both of our institutions and, and the responsibilities that those take, and then you add some of these things in, um, I've got to get the okay and the support from her to, to do them. Um, so that that's key. And I think, you know, we have great bosses. So the athletic director at Butler, Barry Collier is, is a, tremendous leader and has given great support to Molly and my boss Beth Getz is one of the top ADs in the world so those you can't if you if you, those folks aren't supporting you then you got no chance and so mm -hmm. thankfully they've been in our corner to uh, allow us the opportunities you know, that we've been lucky to have so I think it's just uh, I think it's just creating and organizing you know I mean it's it's about uh, perspective and being present in things. And for me, I, I mean, there's like four things that I try to do always, right? It's um, do some sort of activity every day, whether that's going, getting a run in or, or something. Um, read, uh, try to do reading before I go to bed. Journaling um, is, uh, I got to do that, or I, I know things aren't going right, and meditate. So those mm -hmm. are the four things that I do every day. So hopefully. good. And yeah. if, I, if I get those things in, then I'm in pretty good shape uh, for the next day. Mm -hmm. Those are great tips and really good to get that routine going. Um, I also have to ask, as Kurt was asking that question, I was thinking, okay, do your four kids think you're so cool? Are they loving this? Like, are they like, hey, that's my dad. Do you hear it? <laughs> they, they think that I am the least cool person in the world. And I, I don't know if that will change as they get older or, um, or what. But, you know, they, they really haven't had a chance to, because, because of all of them and because of, you know, the roles that we play outside of the announcing gigs, they really haven't been to too many events. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly for the Pacers, you know, there just haven't been opportunities for folks to be in the building too much. So um, they haven't heard me do a lot of announcing. They know I do it. They, they, you know, they tune in from time to time and maybe hear a glance or two um, from the TV, but um, no, they don't think I'm very cool. So. <laughs> Hopefully that changes as I get no, older. People always say that kids never do, but later they'll realize you were like extra cool. My stepson is so. 10 and he's the same way. So he's been to the games and now, I mean, I don't think he thinks I'm very cool either. anymore. <laughs> Happy birthday to him, right? Recently? Yes, it was. Yeah. March 14th. So we, uh, did it big this year, went to Top Golf and got some sports in for him just cause we couldn't celebrate last year. So just yeah. due to COVID. Love it.
And Sean, I know I want to talk about some of the tips that you gave because you mentioned journaling and meditation. Those are actually some things I'm trying to incorporate in my daily routine that I'm not doing that great at, but definitely stuff that we know based on research can really help people. And this is a good transition for us to ask you about the voice for good, something you created that really focuses on mental health and the importance of mental health. Can you tell us more about what you created and what it's all about? Sure. Um, well, I appreciate you letting me talk about it a little bit. You know, it's something that I think selfishly, I was trying to create kind of a home for my voice work and then also trying to figure out a way where I could use the whatever platform I have um, or at least the um, kind of a side hustle to make some contributions to help mental health support access. And so, um, yeah, I mean, the story goes back to maybe, a, you know, a decade or so, I guess now. And, um, you know, just had, a, for lack of a better term, had some things go on in my life where um, it all bubbled up to a point where at the end of the day, I just I had a nervous breakdown. I mean, I had a, had a, a really tough time and was depressed and dealt with anxiety. And luckily had a colleague when I was working at Northwestern say, hey, you need some help. And I said, you're right. And um, I went and got that help and went to therapy to, to kind of uh, work through the depression I was dealing with and some of the, the stress and anxiety that I, I wasn't doing a very good job of um, dealing with. And I think, you know, from a learning standpoint there, I just, you know, I had, um, you know, really quickly, I mean, because I think it is impactful. Um, you know, my, my, I got a call on a Thursday um, that my father had a massive heart attack. And so rushed down to Kankakee and um, he was in bad shape. And so Monday was scheduled to go in for surgery and he didn't make it to the table and he died on a Monday. And obviously that, that was not good. So Wednesday we had a wake, Thursday a funeral, and then my wife and I got married Friday. Oh and um, it was it was quite a week. And then, you know, we went on a honeymoon and nine months later we had our first baby. And um, then we both got new jobs and then we had a second baby. Um, and those, so a lot of those things were awesome things, right? right. And the other, then there were some things that were stressful, a new job and some other things, right? But trying to figure out how to raise two babies under two, <laughs> you know, yeah. those are, but they're all, in a lot of ways, they were good. So what I learned was that this, that sometimes the body cannot decipher between good and bad stress. The body just Ooh. deals with it all the That's same. True. And you can yes, overcome if you don't know how to um, take it all in and work through it. So, you know, that's, I hit my breaking point. So got help. And then I kind of, kind of created this uh, with the help of the therapist, like this blueprint of how to, how to go. And so that's been going great. So then fast forward to uh, the pandemic and all of a sudden I had no events to announce, no work um, on the weekends that I'm used to, no night work. And I said, okay, finally I have an opportunity to kind of finally create this website and what we wanted to do. So at the end of the day, the voice for good is, is my voice work. And anytime that I get compensated for doing any sort of voice work, I'm going to take a, a portion of that payment and make a contribution to mental health support agencies. So um, it's, I'm not making a lot of money and I'm not giving a lot of money, but just trying to um, do what I can to hopefully, for, especially for men, to eliminate the yeah. stigma and to go get help if you need it and to ask and talk about it. Um, and to just raise awareness for some of these organizations that, um, that might need some, some extra help because all of them are doing great things. It's just trying to figure out 
um, you know, what might make be meaningful to you. So that, that's kind of at the end of the day, what, uh, what that is. I've definitely seen a spike in the mental health awareness throughout the past year, just on social media, yeah. different radio personalities. I mean, even you, Sean, I mean, I've seen on Facebook and all that you promoting this. So, I mean, I think that's really cool. I do. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. And it's important that we have these conversations. You mentioned mm-hmm. the stigma and, you know, yeah, years ago, people didn't feel like they could talk about it. And I'm so glad we are talking about it because, there's so many people who are going to think like, okay, it's, it's okay to get help when you need it. And not only that, but to have these routines as a part of your life that you've created, you know, is a way to just maintain that ability to check in with yourself and, and slow down. And I love what you said about the body, not knowing the difference between those stresses sometimes, because I have felt that like, I yeah. joke, I'm like, I get anxiety about even being too happy sometimes because it's like, oh, when's the other shoe going to drop? You know, everybody kind of has that anxiety at different points in their life. Yeah, I think you're learning always and that's important. And then, you know, have a great family that has been supportive of all those things. And they said, yeah, you should get some help. And you have a great wife who says, I'm here for you, whatever you need. And let's do this together. And kids, of course, who, who grasp it a little bit now as they get a little bit older. So um, yeah, just glad to get it off the ground and, you know, again, appreciate any voice work because that just means more positive, uh, positive news for, you know, the mental health support uh, agencies we're trying to promote. A hundred percent. And yes. Sean, I, we got to ask you about your voice work because I know so many people love hearing about that too. So I am such an amateur compared to you. I just <laughs> got into voice work, like very recent and started doing some corporate work here and there but you've been doing it much longer and have done some really cool projects. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Well, I, you're, you're no amateur, that's for sure. And what I can say is that I'm, I'm, I'm not doing a ton of voiceover like that traditional, you know, movie trailer or, you know, commercials and things of that. If that comes down the path, great. Um, I have taken voice classes and voice acting classes and I think what I just learned is that I'm not an actor. <laughs> I am a bad actor. Um, but it was good to kind of get out of my comfort zone and, and try to do some of those things. Um, but, you know, the things that I have been lucky enough to find and come, come through for me are just, again, mostly kind of public address announcing gigs or banquet hosting or, or MC work like you guys are doing at Banker's Life. Um, so, I mean, some of the, I think, more interesting ones have been, you know, hosting the, uh, or I should say, doing the PA announcing for like the NCA Division One Men's Gymnastics Championships a couple of years ago, and then the night before you're hosting like this this dinner uh, for all of the gymnasts and and their teams, and then you've got some Olympians in there, and that that was a pretty neat experience in Chicago. Um, I've done international rugby um, up at uh, Different. Stadium in Chicago. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, that, which was pretty random. You know, you mentioned the Bears and having an opportunity to fill in there a, several, a couple of years ago. Um, I sat in the Wrigley Field PA booth and did a college baseball game between Northwestern cool. and Michigan. Uh, that was pretty neat. Um, so I think it's just not a ton of, of your traditional commercial voice work. That's, that has not been that. But, you know, um, a lot more just kind of your run-of-the-mill sporting events I've, I've been lucky to do just about everything i guess road racing is a big one so the chicago marathon the chicago triathlon um so those are some of the big ones but road racing like you know i'll probably over the summer i don't know eight or nine or ten weekends of the year i'm i'm traveling to do a road race somewhere in the midwest so 
Um, and that's kind of where yeah, I grew up as a runner. So that's kind of my bread and butter. Um, I feel like I can, I can, I can talk the lingo when I go to a road race and I, I don't sound silly. I was just going to ask you, so what do you announce? Are you just saying the runners as they're going through their names or like, what are you actually doing in that particular road race? Yeah. You know, it kind of depends on the event. Sometimes it's um, for a triathlon. It could even be the day before where you're doing kind of training talks um, and, and informing the racers on all of the nuance of the course, you know, where the bike in is, where the bike out is, how do you, where do you get, how do you run to the water, what the run course looks like. Okay. And then, then on race day, um, yeah, you're kind of introducing kind of the elite athletes and then, then you're just trying to make it a cool experience for the, the amateur runners and kind of make sure their names are called and try to give them a shout out, you know, a list you get typically has a hometown. Um, so you can kind of give them a shout out, you know, Kurt from Indianapolis is, is coming by. Um, one of those to hopefully make them feel special <laughs> awards, awards ceremony. Um, so sponsor shout outs. That's a big one at those events is to make the sponsors right. feel good. Cause that's such an integral part of those events actually taking place. So um, yeah, those are, those are really neat. So going forward, I mean, we started this on the last episode. We just wanted to have fun with this. We are MCs. We're not going to try to get into all the stats with the Pacers because to be honest, Jillian and I, we don't know a ton about all that. So we're just trying to have fun. We're not sideline reporters. So with that being said, we're trying to incorporate a couple different games. Um, we've been doing just a favorite. We'll say, what is your favorite so-and-so? And then you'll respond with the answer. And then after that, um, we've been doing a this or that. So which one you prefer, essentially. So we can start okay. off with the favorites. And um, I'll go first with this one. So favorite food? I'm going to say, I'm going to go appetizer. Um, I'm going to start with an app. I'm going to go through a course meal. All right. I'm going to go through the detail. I'm going to go some really good crispy breaded calamari. Um, okay. I'm going to go, then I'm going to get into the, I, I like a good filet. So I'm going to go into a filet mm -hmm. and then the, the most chocolate ridden dessert you can find. I'm all in on. Love it. Like it. Can't go wrong with the filet and chocolate. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Next question we have for you. Favorite music genre. Oh, see, this is terrible for me because I really I'm one of those that um that listens to everything. But um I'll go I'll go kind of nineties R and B hip hop. So okay. yes. Um, I could dig it. I like mm -hmm. that too. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'll you know, I, I like a tribe called Quest. You yes. know, I like a, a, a good Keith Sweat um tune <laughs> yeah. every once in a while. Um, but then, you know, at college years, it was, it was a lot of Dave Matthews, you know, um, I got into that. And then, you know, I, I really like, I'll just do it just about everything. So awesome. Favorite thing or things to do outside of work? Uh, I mean, anytime I can get on a, on a plane and go somewhere with the family, I think that's, that's probably top of the list. Um, running alone, anytime I can get on a run by myself somewhere, that's, uh, that's cherished time. Um, so I say, I'd say those two things. Great. And the last one we have on here, we did something similar with DJ Shauna and we thought with Sean, we got to put you on the spot as well, because you have so many different connections, different backgrounds, whether it was your career as a collegiate athlete or all of your jobs after that favorite mascot. Oh, oh boy. Um, I mean, I guess I should go company line and say, and say boomer for sure. And Charlie <laughs> Cardinal. Um, <laughs> up at Ball State, but um, I, you know, there's so many that are, that are fun. I mean, I think for somebody who grew up going to a lot of baseball games, you know, the San Diego chicken 
is is pretty indelible in my mind. Um, <laughs> Benny the Bull, Benny the Bull was a big oh, yeah. big deal for me growing up um, in Chicago. Um, I mean, Benny was. I got a chance. You know, I had a chance to get to know the character inside Benny. He was incredible as an athlete, as a performer. Um, so I had some great respect for him. So yeah, I'd I'd say you know company line, Boomer's pretty good for sure. Um, I did have a chance to create a mascot once with a, with a group of people. I, really? I don't know how big. I don't know how big of a role I played, but in the Arena Football League when I worked with the Chicago Rush. I mean, again, I don't. I can't even remember so long ago. I don't know how. I probably looked at a drawing and maybe provided some some feedback. But we created Grabowski the mascot, and you know this was um, this was a uh, a play off of Mike Ditka, who was mm-hmm. a longtime yes. coach of the Chicago Bears and, and Hall of Fame player for the Bears. At one point in the, I think in the Super Bowl season or in the '80s, at some point, he said, "I just want a bunch of Grabowskis on my team." And what he meant by that was like <laughs> hardworking, you know, blue collar, bring your lunch pail to work kind of guys. And so this, that's what we created. We created a Grabowski, a guy that had a hard hat and a, and a lunch pail, and that's that perfect. was that was who we created. That's awesome. I gotta I have my dad listen to this because he has an entire room dedicated to bears and like Ditka and all this stuff. So he he will love this. Nice, well, nice. I guess I never really thought uh, how you would create a mascot or even like the process. I mean, I always just see him at different venues and sporting, you know, events and all that stuff. So that's cool. That's amazing. Great story. All right, moving on to our next round here. This or that. All right, Sean, okay. to kick it off. Prefer phone calls or texts? Oh boy, I'll go phone calls. Definitely Jillian and I too. That's how we are too, yeah. Yep. Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Uh, I'm a Twitter guy. All right, here's another tough one that we thought of specific for you. Behind the scenes or on the mic? In the day-to-day role, it's a lot of behind the scenes. And then, you know, for, for the Pacers it's uh, and the Fever, it's um, more, you know, again, behind the mic. So both, I think, have a lot of really cool qualities to them but nothing you know nothing provides more energy than being on the mic and the horn sounds and the lights go off and the music starts like that's tough to beat that's a lot of fun and then lastly we know you have four kids night in with your kids or night out with friends or your wife <laughs> oh, man. i think i would take a night out with my wife right now um, <laughs> a, little a break. million times because we don't blame uh, you I've, it's been it's been a, a long road here, pandemic time. Um, so I, I go I go with the night out with my wife right now. Perfect. You deserve it. Yes, you do. <laughs> at this point. <laughs> oh, so, uh, can I awesome. is that, can I ask you guys one question? So oh, uh, yes. I'm reversing it because I you know anytime I talk to people I like that. So any any good books you're reading or emails you subscribe to or things that I can learn from you both. That's a great question. I was, I was like, Kurt, do you want to go? I, well, I'm thinking of books <laughs> yeah. and it's just like, I have, I have this thing to where I'll see a book and I'll be like, oh, I like that book. I want to get into that book. And then I get it and I just never have time. So, uh, man, that's hard. And like podcasts as well, or, you know, anything else. Or just, yeah, I, a podcast or an artist, maybe a music artist. Do you think I should check out? You know, I think anything. This is such a good question. Yeah. Okay. Well, what I'm reading right now is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I know everybody has read it. You guys have probably heard about it. And I just got on the bandwagon loving it so far. So, okay. Okay. Perfect. 
And then I would say mine would be uh, my dad is big into finance and savings and all that and trying to kind of just educate me as much as I can. And I'm getting more and more into it. So I would say anything along those lines, he keeps feeding me magazines. So I mean, anything that has to do with finance or investing, things like that. Well, if you find anything that will help me send four kids to college, please share. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't even imagine the expense for, oh my goodness. And then as for uh, podcasts, Gosh, that's a good question because here we are on a podcast and I know we listen to a ton, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm trying to think of like one that maybe you wouldn't listen to. And I hope I don't butcher his name. Ed Milet. Is that how you say it? He's, he owns a bunch of businesses. He has a great business podcast. I hope I didn't say that wrong. I'm like about to Google right now. I'm going to look it up. Cool. Well, what about you, Sean? Do you have any good podcasts or books that we should write down too? Yeah. You know, I'm a big Tim Ferriss guy. So if you haven't looked up Tim Ferriss and his podcast, he's got a couple of great books that have been um, meaningful to me. I'd say the book Awareness by Anthony DeMello is, is really impactful. Um, podcast wise, I love 10% Happier, which is um, Dan Harris. Dan Harris. Yep. Yes. I um, love that. I love his book. That's great. Yeah. That's a, that's a wonderful one. Um, Atomic Habits by James Clear is really good. He's got an outstanding email too. Um, so yeah, those are a couple. That's a great question. Sean, maybe you should incorporate that in the podcast every time. Like that's good. Caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting that. So <laughs> I know I I'll like it. I was like, oh wow. Yeah. Oh, I do like it though. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, well, Sean, thank you so much for making time for this. This was so fun. Yeah, appreciate it. Congrats to you all for for debuting the podcast and thank you for welcoming me and, and being great colleagues and, and supporting me and having me on the podcast. It's awesome. That's it for this episode of the Believe in Pacers podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And make sure you guys spread the word a little bit for us and rate and subscribe the Believe in Pacers podcast. You can get this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts at, whether it's Apple Music, Tidal Music, Google, all things that got podcasts, we are located there. See you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.